So, uh, here we are again, folks. Post-game uh, podcast, myself and Patty, talking about uh, last night's loss this time. It was our first loss post-game podcast, she's maybe even this year, which speaks to how well they've been playing, I guess, in a way. But uh, post-game with the Leafs and Avalanche, overtime loss, 5-4. Uh, uh, in stark contrast to last game, I enjoyed last night's game. I didn't particularly enjoy the win over the Oilers, and, and, and that, I, I spoke about that a lot during the post-game pod, but this one, I, despite the loss, I, I enjoyed the game, and I think there's uh, some good takeaways from it. But uh, again, I'll give you a chance to make your quick hit, hot take on the game. Yeah, um, I didn't mind the Edmonton game. Um, win, is, win is a win. I, I didn't think Edmonton deserved it either, so one of those May games or whatever. Um course was disappointed with the loss but you know what i was pretty happy to hear of keith's comments after the game that he took nothing but positives from the game um like you're not playing a like yeah we give up a 4-1 lead to a stanley cup contender totally fine with it like it is what it is they'll learn from it they beat the same team 6-2 i know they didn't have camper in that then but camper got blown out last game it last night anyway so really that wasn't a difference maker um, but like Leafs are a really good team, four losses and 26 games or something. So yeah, I'm not worried at all. And I think all their players, I, I have one concern, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but I think, I think your player showed up. Yeah, me too. I was good to see Richie get off to Schneid too. Uh, so much I don't really like to go and, and got all the makings of a bad contract. It's good to see him get uh, get on board too. So no, there's lots to talk about, and uh, and we're going to dive right into it. So uh, again, big shout out to uh, PHG Sports, our sponsors out of Ontario, PHG Sports. Uh, that's where the pros sign. Catch them at www.phgsports.com. All right, tater tater. Let's get at her. Hey guys, welcome to episode 11 of the Deke Snipes LA Podcast. Your host today, myself, Ryan Gates, and Mr. Patty Phillips. So, Patty, uh, yeah, interesting game. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I'm disappointed they had a 4-1 lead. I don't think it's the best game they, they've ever played. Uh, Colorado, um, I think, took a lot of the play. Like, Colorado were outplaying us quite severely, I thought, early on, and then Bang, Kerfoot scores under first shot, and then Matthews comes back with a couple. So I thought Matthews was insane all night. Mm. Um, Campbell was great. I, didn't, I really didn't think that Nylander Tavares line played as well as they had. Um, disappointed in the Moz Hall pairing again. Mm. Um, but you know what? Kerfoot, I, I'm looking at his stats here now. He's got, let me just look at this line here. He's got in 33 games played. Six goals, 18 assists, plus 19, four penalty minutes, 51 shots on goal. That's a player that we would have traded for potentially a bag of pucks earlier in the year just to get rid of his salary. And now he's the type of guy I don't foresee the least one trade him this year. He's too valuable right now up and down the lineup. You'd get significant, significant return because he plays 
he can do any, he can do everything. And I was the guy that was harping on Kerfoot earlier in the year because my go-to line is if you if you if you can't score and if you're not contributing offensively, you better be out there doing something else. And I never thought he was, but now he's just um, he's playing on the top line last night and does not look out of place, nor should he with that speed. Yep. And uh, what 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 stuck me? For, I mean, you you pull up the you pull up the box score from last night. You don't need to be a genius to pick out who one of their best players was, and that was Kerfoot. Uh, yeah, he had yeah. a goal and two assists, so it was a three point night for him. Plus one. Um, we just have a quick peek. Couple, yeah, only only two shots on goal, but hits, blocks, takeaways, and he was at fifty percent uh, at the faceoff dot. Which I mean, he did take a lot of draws, but uh, the ones he did, of course, he was reliable. Because, I mean, you know, we all forget that while he plays a lot of the wing for us, um, he was brought in to be a potential third-line center option. But he just fits so well on the wing with our big centerman that, uh, that that's where he's uh, he's kind of found his niche, we'll say. But, I mean, the guy the guy is just is just straight killing it right now. I mean, he locked 21 minutes last night. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's, that's that's big boy numbers, right? That's, that's the one thing. I mean, it's hard to turn your nose at uh, one goal and two assists and say that, you know, that, that's clearly the most impressive stat from last night that he got on the board three times. But, I mean, when you look at a guy like Kerfoot and said, you know, who put in 21 minutes, I, I just – he does it all. I mean, he, he, he can take face-offs. He can kill penalties. Um, he can generate plays. He's, he's going to the greasy areas. Uh, I'm I'm with you. There's a reason why me and you are recording a podcast in our basement, and not GMs at least, because I would have traded them. Yeah, you know? and I'm not afraid to admit when I'm wrong. I'm, a lot of Leafs fans, we we have that problem that uh, that uh, our our hot takes aren't always uh, bang on. I.e. Don Cherry when he talked about the Leafs drafting William Nylander ahead of Nick Ritchie. <laughs> what a mistake that was. But point being is you got to be able to you got to be able to look at the situation and say well you know i i was wrong here and maybe there's a reason why dubas is doing the job he's doing and we have the team that we have so well you know you know what how many leaf fans be included were quite fine with losing kerfoot to seattle and keeping Jarrett mccann holy holy like, holy what a what a mistake yeah. that would have been and it would have been huge yeah he's only 27 low, low key low key if this team ever does anything with the current structure that they have the current players yeah. Uh, that'll 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 be one of those dubious maneuvers that will go unnoticed, because right. hadn't he went out and and traded those few what I'll call minute assets to to trade for a player he knew Seattle craved more than more than the player he knew was better, you know that that's that that, that that's that's full on boss mode, right? Yeah. To to trade for a player that you know the team will take uh, instead of the better player that you want to hang on to. That's so that's gangster, right? So I, did, I didn't think it was that great of a move. I'm like, you just gave up assets for a meh, kind of a toss-up, right? But no, no, not even close. So it's still interesting to see what happens in the offseason because I I think he still does carry a three and a half million yeah. for another year after this year. Yeah. Um, like it, and it depends on Nick Robertson. Like there's lots of Nick Robertson chatter these days with potential defensemen that are available. We'll get the trade talk after, but uh, I always thought Kerfoot spot he was taking it up for eventually Robertson to come in and, and take that spot. Mm. Um, I, I like right now, Kerfoot's too good to be on the third line. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> well, he's, he's, he's making second line money and deserves a spot on the second line if they're going to keep yeah. him, right? Yeah. Uh, can they afford to keep him? I mean, all the chatter at the end of last season, well, what are we going to do with Hyman? If you had to make the decision over Freddie or Zach, who are you going to keep? And we're like, well, maybe Zach and then some of maybe Freddie. It turns out we couldn't keep either. 
same problem this time around, except this time we got to keep a goalie. You know, right. uh, they got to figure out a way to sign Jack Campbell and not break the budget. But I mean, with the way the man is playing, I think that's where we'll slide right into the Jack conversation. But the way that man's playing, how, how do you sign him for less than five million bucks? Oh, you're not. That's impossible. Right? Unless he takes the, the one thing I keep on banking on. He's such an incredibly nice guy. <laughs> that, if, that if just anyone this is not going to happen i know you know i know, where I'm going with this. I, know I know where you're going with this too i'm the same way i'm like oh jesus if he would just be like stupid nice <laughs> yeah stupid nice and take the discount um because if there's ever going to be a guy to do it, it's going to be him yeah i i don't see it happening nor should he he's like battles and like this is like with the rest of the guys matthews Marner, or neilan or they were eventually going to make your money with campbell he's 10 years in the league no, no, no. This, he, this he is got, an opportunity to make it go get your money now. Um, yeah, no, he, he got to go after the money, and it's up to Dubas to move out one of those players to make room for the goalie that you need to proceed. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, it's going to be like a curve foot, or yeah, I yeah. could see like if if they do make a trade for a Chitron or a Klingberg or something like that, like you got to send money back, and like it's going to be a curve foot or, curve foot or an Engvall. Hopefully, it's an Engvall. I I think it would have to be both. If you're making yeah. if you're making a, a trade and taking on a player that makes any more than either of those players, then then you got to trade at least two roster players. At least well, Hall would be one of them. Yeah, that's 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 that would be. Yeah. Or it could be it could be a Dermot or something. Um, but like back to Campbell, like you you got to sign a man. It's not like we've got depth. Um, we got nothing. The other scenario I can see happening. And it's not going to happen this year. It would have to happen in the offseason. Maybe they, you know, there'll be a market from Razik. There's oh, yeah. a lot of teams struggling in net. Um, unfortunately, we don't have a big enough sample size right now for Joe Wall. But maybe he goes out and, and f- knowing that Campbell can take on a full season, mm-hmm. maybe he goes out and gets a one, one, one and a half, two million dollar goalie instead of a three and a half or four. The, the the thing is, and that's what that's what struck me funny about the Morazic signing was that I was expecting the Leafs to go out and sign a goaltender who was going to make significantly less. Like because we're a cap team, I wasn't expecting uh, Peter Morazic to be making millions. I was expecting them to sign a goalie who would be making league yeah. man or a million. You know what I mean? But I guess they really wanted to have that security blanket, and they could afford to this year. I was just surprised it was it was a multiple year deal. So in saying that. Can they move the contract? Oh, 100%. This is not Nick oh, Ritchie, right? Edmonton would take it today. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's not a that's it's not a big deal. So uh, while I did scratch my head about it, I come to the, to, to the quick realization that that's a movable contract any day of the week. Yeah. Uh, even a team who, go, who who loses a goaltender to injury, which happens in his league every week, that's a movable contract. And so they'll get like he can go in and, and take over a starter's role on a lot of teams. Oh yeah, yeah. Like that's going to secure your first round pick. I would like to think. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. The contract is the contract should be able to be fit. Um, any team should be able to fit that contract into their team. Yeah, no, you're right. But, so I think I don't worry about Campbell. They'll, they'll find ways. I've got so much faith in Dubis and Didham and shit. Um, I him, I, I should say. Um. I've got so much faith in these guys that they've got this figured out. Like <laughs> there's so many, there's so far, much further ahead of even the, like, let's forget. Okay. Let's forget the average fan. Let's, let's, let's talk about the nut jobs like us who are yeah, just yeah. like, who are, who are, who are into this nuts deep. And that's, that's pretty much all we think about and all we talk about that management team 
is so much further ahead than we are in steps ahead and looking down the road and looking at who they got to pay and win. Like they're, 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 those guys are looking at Rasmus Sandin's contract in three years' time and saying, okay, now how are we going to structure this so that we don't have to dismantle what we've already built? These guys are pure, pure cap geeks in every way, shape, and form, right? But that's the planning any business goes through. Like yeah. they don't think short, they, they think short, medium, and long term. They know the, the one thing that's uncertain and it changes so much is, is the market for a particular player. Yeah. Um, like that's out of their control and you really don't know where it's going to go. Uh, I think there's a big market out there for goalies right now. So great. If you want to trade Mrazic, not so great. If you got to sign Campbell, um, but well, I, 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 I mean, uh, Mrazic is, is making 3.8 million, right? That's a yeah. lot of money. He, he hasn't played. What well, does he play like three or four games? Like he, he's it. making almost 4 million bucks. And for two years after this one, Campbell's making 1.65. So you've got $5.45 million, almost $5.5 million tied up in two goaltenders, right? So yeah, if yeah. all that money had to go to Campbell, if you can shake that contract, which at the very least you can give that contract away if you had to. But if you've got right. to pay Campbell 5.5, which I think at his age I think is, is the right number, um, I mean, the man's 30 years old. I hadn't he been stringing together the season he had say he was just you know having average numbers where he wasn't first in everything um you'd be, you'd be looking at paying him probably next year peter mrazic money 3.8 yeah, yeah. no, but i mean the man is clearly making himself richer every single time he steps on the ice um so that i mean the big question is term how long do you want to lock yourself into that particular goalie does he have the longevity does he have the health does he have all that good stuff so for me I'd be looking at Campbell on a, uh, on a on probably a four-year deal is what I would think, and yeah. then you get pause your four years to look for another Jack Campbell trade, you know, where you bring in a guy who's got all the potential but never really had the opportunity. Um, that's me. Yeah. But again, uh, I got all the fate in the world that the people who are way ahead of me got this in hand. Cool. And I'm one bit concerned. Jack Campbell will be a Leaf next year unless unless Dubas really pulls a, a Dougie Gilmore trade out of his hat which I don't suspect he's very calculated, um, then Jack Campbell's going to be the goalie for the future, for the least, for at least three years after this one, at least. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I, he's got to make it happen. I, I'm not worried. Like, I, I'm look, I'm here at Cap Friendly here now. Yeah. Um, like, they, they don't have bad contracts. They, they've got folks coming up next year. They can find the money. Kessel's money's coming off. I know they got to make uh, find that money for Raleigh as well, that increase. Yeah, that's Kessel's money, basically. That's, that's, that's a wash, more yeah. or less. You know, it's a little bit. But again, when your worst contracts, when your worst contracts are Nick Ritchie and Pierre Engvall, you don't have bad contracts. No, right? you don't. Right? I mean, People said Tavares' contract is bad. No, it's not bad yet, and it may never be. He's in year year four of this. Is this year four? Yes. I can someone look at Tavares' contract. That's a bad contract. The man, but, the man is arguably well. He's your captain for one. You brought yeah. in a captain from from a free agent, uh, and he's right there with, with team scoring lead every year, playing on the second line, yeah. right? I anyway, I don't want to get equated to that they haven't won a playoff series. That it wasn't a good contract, but like that's the case. There'd be a lot of bad contracts in the NHL. Yeah. Like you, the Leafs had zero zero choice. Oh yeah, of course they had choice when that opportunity came up to sign John Tavares. 
you had to take you had to go with it you had to you had to do it and and not um, not, not to mention the fact that i mean everyone talks about yes he could he could have signed for more in in san jose blah 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 which is all true that is documented true um he signed that contract at a time where we didn't have a flat cap i mean yeah, we, yeah. our cap should be at 88 million now we should be able to go out and get another william nylander with what we what what would have been a uh, a cap increase hadn't we ran into COVID nineteen like yeah. COVID while it it didn't help the Leafs any they were smart enough with the deals that they did sign that it it hasn't crippled them yet because I really think man if if we if we would have had had uh, had the cap rise over the last three years um, the Leafs man what a spot they'd be in you know oh, you, yeah. You, yeah they'd have had some team now they got a good team as it is but they would have been able to add that extra winger. Or they've been able to add that extra defenseman that would have really put them over the top. Imagine, imagine this team now with an extra six or seven million in cap space. Yeah, I know. Scary. I know. Scary. Huge. Well, you would have got it. You would have got it. Gone out and corrected that second lot, that second peering on defense. Like you imagine another Brody, that type of player. No, no, um, no it's it's foolish, scary. And you know what? The number one step. We've gotten way away from the game. We'll go back to the game now in two seconds. But the one thing that 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 uh, stuck to me last night that when they said it, when the broadcaster said it, I said, "Really?" They said uh, they said they were talking about going to the uh, going to the uh, when Avalanche were going to the power play. They said you've got you know the number two rated power play in the league going up against the number one defensive team in the league. I, I said, "Huh? Dang. What? Like I know the boys have been playing." Well, I think is good, and defensively, I thought the team has been as good as I've seen in twenty years. I mean, I'm used to really, really stinky bad defense, like the rest of you guys. But like when they said that we were first in in defense, I was like, no, no, no. I got to look this up. And I still haven't had the time, of course, today to to dig into the the defensive stats to see just how good we have been. But man, that is quite a stark change in 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 hockey structure and culture. The whole shooting match to take what we had. And I'm not even talking. I'm not talking about the Aki Berg days. I mean, listen, we've we've chose to forget those days. But I mean, I'm talking like when Matthews was a rookie days. You know, we weren't a good defensive team at all, and now suddenly no. we're number one. Uh, it, and number one faceoff team in the league. Yeah. The last. Yeah, I, I'm willing to bet the last time we were number one is we had. It's probably when we had Yannick Pro on third line. E- even then, man. I mean, like, yeah, I. Everyone, everyone talks about Leafs fans, how foolish we are, and you know how the team's never going to win. And and you know, odds of winning are slim, no matter who you are. And yeah, yeah. yes, they may never win. Uh, I may die an old man, I may die a young man, who knows? And they may never win a championship while I'm breathing. However, however, looking at these statistics and numbers, you've got one of the number. You got the number one defensive team in the league. They're leading the team in. They're leading the league in faceoff percentage, like you said. Uh, as far as goal scoring, five on five, they're right there, you know, with with, with the upper echelons, which they should be. That's what the team was built around. And they're not their goaltenders leading in just about every category that there is. You know, yeah. um, you can't look at that and say, you know, they don't have the the, the potential to do that. I mean, I, I, I'd love to see Colorado and Toronto in a seven game Stanley Cup playoff. Yeah. Holy yeah. crap! Can you imagine that now uh, for, for playing for the cup? What a what yeah, a what a you got you got some yeah. tough, rough and tough guys. You got so much talent. Like watching watching uh, watching that Colorado team, man, they're so talented. They're so good, but they're they're no better than the Leafs. 
They just they, yep. just, they, they, they just proved it last night. We did it the other day. Like it's and it's easy to forget too. We were missing our top line winger. <laughs> so, but, but you know what? Like people say, well, that's that's excuses. But no, like, and it's not about missing Marner. I've said this before. It's not about Marner not in the lineup last night. It's about other guys playing in positions that they shouldn't be. So that's the that's the big that's the bigger issue. Like they were pretty much last night rolling with eleven forwards. Cassini never got no time. No, and I don't really know the impact of all. Kevin Biasco last night said is it's a major impact. He would know he played on the West Coast in Colorado a lot when he was with Vancouver, uh, or when he was with Anaheim. Like these guys would know it, but like you 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 do have to go in and win in their burn at some point in time. Yeah. I think the bigger issue is. And even Engvall, like, I know you're not a big fan of him. I'm not a huge fan of him. But someone last night had to play out of position uh, or two, two players. So, it's – like, I thought they were there. Like, they score four goals against a really good team. So, it, it, like, if I compare the Leafs to Colorado, I think we got the obvious advantage in net. I think I, – I, I'm not comfortable Kemper taking Colorado to the promised land. No, uh, they, no, I think they've got an obvious. Oh, I was going to say an obvious advantage of us on defense, but we're the number one defensive team in the league, so uh, they just contribute more probably offensively. Oh, definitely uh, on that end, there's there's no debate in it. Um, but yeah, but the oh, forwards are like it's a wash. I, I still think we got depth, more depth, but now when you look at when you look at top top end young players. I mean, I'm not going to put uh, Morgan Riley or uh, Rasmus Sandin in the same wheelhouse offensively as Cal McCarr, but defensively they're just as good. So, like, like yeah. they're, they're, there's got to, there's got to be balance, right? Um, that McCarr, anyway, that, that's a show in itself. I uh, I really thoroughly enjoy watching that player, even when he's not on my team. I'm like last night, like just the way he moves the blue line, the way he moves the puck. That goal he scored was just beautiful. Just that's like a, that's a goal scores goal no matter what position you play. Um, so yeah, like there are aspects of each team where one is slightly better than the other, but I think on a whole, and again, of course I'm biased. I'm a Leafs fan. I think that the Leafs may might come out on top in the seven game series there because I think they've got the. Um, they mentioned it last night, and and they didn't they didn't tie the two together. But they mentioned last night that Colorado had a really hard time against teams that were being a bit of a bully, pushed them around a bit, and hard on the forecheck, that kind of stuff. Um, I think the Leafs would come out uh, advantageous in that category in a seven game series. I really do because that that but those those bottom six forwards, man, they're no that they're no pleasure to play against. No, no. well look at look at the the special teams last night. And Keith said this in his post game comments. Colorado had what four or five power play uh I think it was four. Leaf shut him down. Didn't have I, I know he had a lot of shots on the power play. Geez, McKinnon had 12 shots alone last night. Um, but Lee scored a power play goal. I think they only had one opportunity. They were one for one on the power play. Uh, I think they could have had more opportunities. I think there was a couple of missed calls, but um like it was unfortunate what happened that they lost. You can almost see it happening. Massey should have changed in overtime as we che- we texted last night, but yeah, I, I look back. I think I went back and looked at that. He was on the opposite side of the rink when Nylander changed. Yeah, he was. So he, yeah. He'd have to skate across. At the very least, it was going to be a three-on-two, potentially a three-on-one. I, I, I can't recall exactly. Yeah. So um, Taves and Kadri made a great tic-tac play there. It, it was just a real good goal. Like 
that was a that was a real good game. Uh, we haven't even talked about Campbell save like, and see Kadri's response behind him was fantastic. Um, I know I, I loved it. Um, but you know what? Like even Richie last night, I actually saw Richie hit. I don't care if Richie scores goals. Six hits. I checked beforehand because I was curious. Yeah. I wanted to see if the big guy had uh, come out of his shell a little bit with, uh, again, playing a smaller team for one. Uh, you got you got to impose your will. Uh, and after having, getting that little bit of extra boost of confidence, uh, putting the puck in the net on, on the power play, no nonetheless. That's one thing that stood out to me, which I hadn't really thought about. Because, I mean, I watched this team night in, night out. And something I hadn't really thought about until the obvious was stated uh, your second power play unit has your fourth line on it. And That's I insane. never, I never, I never put the two together. And I was like, no nope. shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's right, boys. Yeah. And you've got two guys out there in Spets and Simmons that are over 30. Yep. Um, so who's not on, who's not on that power play unit. It's Mikheyev, uh, Kerf, Kerfoot is, well, is Kerfoot usually, no, Kerfoot is not usually there. No. Um, um, usually they would have had uh Kasha on there, but I think yes, yes, his spot, right? Um, and Mikhail was a big loss. Mikhail, I think he might have been on that unit last night. With he was, Sandy. yeah, so yeah, like I said, did David Kampf don't get any power play time because he's not an offensive player, that's not what he's there. Just go win face offs, like he was insane last night, yeah, yeah, face proved to be so invaluable. My, my, my only problem. And this is my only negative takeaway from the game because I again thoroughly enjoyed the game. Disappointed with how it ended, but three on three overtime can go either way. Um, I think we really missed Mariner in three on three overtime. Clearly, yeah. uh, that's that's his time to shine. But I mean, we we absolutely dominated the faceoff circle, sixty five percent to thirty five percent. Now, that being said, if you got that many zone starts in your favor, you're 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 you're, you're basically you know two thirds yeah. of the time you're starting with the puck. I see a very large problem, and I watched it entirely through the entire game. I could not understand why we had to puck so much and generated so little shots. That that really threw me out. The final shot count was forty nine to twenty seven. Okay, yeah. uh, they near doubled us in shots, more or less. Now again, some of that is score effects, and people say, "Well, Ryan, what's the score effects? Score effects is is what they call it when one team is trailing from behind and they're pushing up the ice to try and get the equalizers." And one team is kind of starting to take a bit of a step back and maybe letting a few more shots come through than, than they're generating in the other direction, which is fair. But even in the first period, when we were trying, when we were winning three to one, we were trailing in shots and I couldn't understand it because we had to puck almost the entire, almost the entire first period. Like it was, it was crazy. Um, yeah. I haven't looked up the advanced stats, which is something I'll do this afternoon because I just I, advanced stats. I find, I find them curious. They don't always mean a lot, but uh, coercing and whatnot, puck possession. I, I do enjoy looking at that and then thinking about it critically based on what what the old eye test said. Well, the, the advanced stats, I've always thought, don't give you answers, but it allows you to ask more questions. Exactly. Well put. Yeah. Yeah. It's like puck possession. I think it's, I think it's huge. I don't, I don't understand none of the coursey stuff, nor have, have I even tried to. But puck possession is, it's pretty simple. The more times you have to puck or the more often you have to puck, the greater chance that you're going to score and the, and the greater chance the other team is not going to score. So, yeah. and the Leaf, Leafs, I thought, had more puck possession last night than Colorado. It was close. It, I, I saw it, the clock during the third and it was, it was quite t- close, but the Leafs were, were leading with puck possession. Third, I wish that the broadcast teams would put that up earlier. So you can, yeah. you can 
so you can see how the game is trending. Because I guarantee you that was not a lin- that was not a linear curve uh, for puck possession last night. It started heavily no. in one one direction and finished heavily in the other. So yeah, yeah. again, which brings me back to the whole mile high city thing. Do I put much weight into it? Yeah, I do. I I when people come into Colorado to play, you could see that team, that Leafs team, looked like they were playing the second half of a back to back in the third period. Yeah. On the bench, the boys were panting. You know, they they were working and and they looked sluggish. Um, Colorado team did not. Uh, that's a huge, monumentally huge advantage uh, for the Avalanche, I think, I mean, for those guys who are accustomed to playing at that height. So, um, yeah. Did you hear what Bieska said? No, I didn't. So he he mentioned he made I think it was Bieska made the comment, um, or someone made the comment on the telecast that I, I think someone had asked the question of something in regards to like. Okay, well, they'll have to go play during the playoffs if they go far enough. But in the playoffs, you're there a day ahead of time, which is a big difference versus coming on game day. Or well pointed so out. That, yeah, so that was so that's something different. I hate to make excuses, but it was quite clear on the broadcast last night with Biesca that that it do make a difference. Oh, it's, a, um, it's, a, it's a factor. Is is it a deciding factor? No, it, it's just like everything, like the whole idea of the Swiss cheese model, where in order to get a win, everything needs to line up perfectly so that. You know, uh, it all comes together just like a loss. There's a Swiss cheese model where if all those holes line up perfectly, then you may end up with a loss, i.e., you know, you're you're tired on the second half of a back-to-back or you're playing at at, uh, at a different altitude than you're used to, which, you know, decreases, you know, the whole lung or oxygen capacity, all that good stuff that they talk yeah. about. Uh, when all those things line up and you have an off night and you're going to kill a lucky bounces, like I said, the whole Swiss cheese model leads to a loss. So... Yeah, I, 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 I'm not going to sit here and make an excuse for my team as a homer and say, well, that's why we lost because it was uh, we were playing at a higher altitude. That's, that's even a silly thing to say. But like I said, there are contributing factors, right? There was a lot of things uh, last night that, that played into to, – that's just like when we play at home. Like the last game we played at home, the puck was bouncing around like a tennis ball, right? Yeah. That's one thing I noticed in the Oilers game. Now, does that affect one team more than the other? No, not really. But uh, certain players are more, depending on their, their skill set and their hands, are more adapt to play on shitty ice than other players. Um, but yeah, at, at the ACC, the thing bounces like a tennis ball a lot of nights, and it turns my stomach that they can't get a decent ice surface. Whereas last night, I'm watching the game, and the thing is stuck. You know, it's on flat the entire time. It's a different. It's a different game for the guys. So, my my biggest thing, and I mentioned earlier, is the Holland wasn't here. That will be fixed. Yep, I I think they'll go and get a um, and I'm picking on those guys, but I I don't think I'm I'm so disappointed in that pairing because they were arguably our best pairing for the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll have to go out and fix that. I, uh, yeah, we're the number one defensive team in the NHL, but Campbell's a part of that, and so are the forwards. Um, like you're not the number one defensive team, or you're the the worst <laughs> defensive team just because you're defen- just because you're defenseman. The the other players on the ice take a role in that, but um like what was Klingberg is available now apparently you know that you know he's available yep like there's too much after happening there Chitron is there uh you know Ben Sherrod is going to be available which will probably cost you less and it's probably a little bit more of what they need but um I'm okay with some of the packages that they've been throwing around for a Klingberg or a Chitron okay let's talk about it what are you hearing what are you reading well Robertson has got to be one of them that's that's the obvious. Um, well, last night they were talking about Klingberg. It's going to be a three a three piece package. 
So it would probably cost you a Robertson, a first rounder, a Robertson or Amaroff, a first rounder. I hope Nemily, or if I, I don't know if I pronounced it right, to finish defenseman. I hope he's not part of it. But a Robertson, a first rounder, and a young roster player. And you know what? Like the Leafs have a lot of young roster players. So mm-hmm. Kerfoot is considered to be a young roster player. Engvall is considered to be a young roster player. Um, they compared it to the Brett Burns deal from years back when he came from Minnesota, went from Minnesota to San Jose. So it was Setaguchi, Charlie Coyle, and a first rounder. And I look back now, oh my God, did San Jose ever win that, <laughs> win that deal? Um, well, everyone knows, and this you can mark this down. I don't know who said it first, but the player, the team who gets the best player in the trade wins the trade 90% yeah. of the time. It's not unless that player has a uh, addiction problems, b um, injury problems. Then yeah, the the team who gets the best player wins the trade almost always. So to say to say that that the Leafs would lose a trade uh, where they where they gave up uh, a player like a Robinson or a Toby Niemela or any of those guys, uh, all depends on how those players progress compared to the guy that they're getting are you getting a better player than what you predict robertson is going to be if you are then you win the trade now the other argument to winning a trade is if you go on and win a stanley cup it don't matter how good the other player was it don't matter how good wayne gretzky is you won the trade so those are those are that's that 10 percent of the time when the best player in the deal doesn't win the trade as if the team gets better and gets to the ultimate goal because they made that deal which is where i think the oilers are i think the oilers need to trade it, and I, Oiler fans are going to hate this, but I really think they need to make a Leon Draisaitl trade. I, I wholeheartedly because I mean, yep. you would get a boatload, an absolute boatload for the guy, right? You're not talking about just a, a good young player and a good young prospect and a first round pick. You're talking about, you know, bringing six players into your team, including a goalie that can make that team a viable playoff team. Yeah, you're giving up one of the best players in the league, but don't man, ever so- win with your current their current setup at yeah. least they never win either um but yeah i i totally agree with you but back to back to the the trade opportunities or trade options for the leafs yep. i'd still probably go out and get a chicharin even if you got to pay an additional first rounder mm. which you probably would because his contract he's four and a half million i think for the next four years maybe including this year whereas klingberg is that ufa Say he's looking for around eight million bucks, which I don't know where the Leafs are going to find that. Nor do I. I don't know if I'd want to give another eight million dollar defenseman there. No, no, no. no. I, I don't I expect the Leafs to be in on John Klimberg in any no, way. No, I don't either. I, I I think it'd be Chicharin, um, or giving up a first and a second or something for uh, Sherratt, um, which you know he's gonna they're gonna get. Whether I don't know if he's worth it or not, but yeah, he was solidified at that second pairing. Um, I, I think they'd give him more options, but I, I think I'd be favoring Chitra. Now, I, I, to be quite honest with you, I haven't seen that guy play a lot, nor have I seen Klingberg because they're on the West Coast. But just yeah. salary-wise, where do you are in the free agency age? Um, I think I'd try to make that trade with Arizona. But you know, you know they said there's 10 teams on, on Chitra last night. I, I've got to believe that there's got to be 20 or more. Like, who wouldn't want a 23-year-old defenseman Four and a half million for the next four years, already signed, right high on the shot. Who's not going to put everything together to go out and get that type of defenseman? Like who does there's not one team that doesn't need it, with the exception of probably Colorado. Well, like I said, 
so much Carolina. As, so much as I don't want to see Nick Robertson go, uh, we need the right-hand shot young defenseman at that cap hit way more yeah. than we need Nick Robertson at an entry level. And for a team like for a team like Arizona, they need young talent more so than they need a 23-year-old defenseman. So there is a match there because the cap number works. Again, it all comes back to cap. Um, I like the player better than Klimberg anyway. I do. I think John yeah. Klimberg, while, he, while, he's a, while he's effective, I, I thought his brother Carl was going to be the better player. <laughs> yeah, I know. When you see that ice caps. We, uh, for you guys who don't already know, we live here in uh, good old Newfoundland out on the East Coast of Canada. And it was the home of the St. John's Ice Caps for many years. And uh, one of our top young forwards in our in our inaugural season was a young uh, young Swede named Carl Klimberg. Uh, he scored the first goal, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the first oh, goal yeah. in, in Ice Caps history. Um, so that team was here for a while. Of course, they were the uh, they were a farm team of uh, well, <laughs> a couple franchises, but uh, at the time it was Winnipeg. So he would have been a Winnipeg draft pick and. Uh, just a super talented young forward who never quite crested that next, never quite got to that next level, which is unfortunate. But, uh, but yeah, I was always a Carl Klimberg fan when he was local. I got an autograph stick by Klimberg. <laughs> Just around Klimberg. Yeah. You tell me, tell me. Yeah. I met him outside, outside the rink one day. I, I sent, him a, sent him a text and said, yeah, Carl, you know, I'd like to, uh, I get a stick signed by you. I said, you know, I'm a big fan, blah, blah. And he said, yeah, no problem. He said, I, I always use my kids as an excuse. Yeah, my kids would love it. <laughs> oh, what a hockey dork I am. Awesome. But anyway, but yeah, no, I got the Carl Klimberg stick stuck in the corner, and now I'll probably use it for pond hockey down the road. But the uh, point being is that I really enjoyed the player. And uh, when, he, when he said his, his brother was in the Dallas system, I was like, oh, yeah, well, he's clearly not going to be the, the best of the Klimbergs. But he's, <laughs> he's really yeah. panned out. Uh, but yeah, no, saying all that, we had an, an episode here. It's one of our most, it's our most listened to episode in, in the history of our show. Um, we had Mr. Jeff Tui on, and that was last year. Now, Jeff, uh, Jeff spent seven years in the uh, Coyotes organization. We talked to him at length about the players that they've had and the players that they've let go. And, uh, and he spoke so highly of Jacob that, uh, that I think, I can't. I can't wait till he's traded, so I can drop Jeff. Jeff a text and be like, "So man, how you feeling today?" Because <laughs> he was there. <laughs> he was there on the podium with these guys when they drafted. Uh, when they drafted uh, Clayton Keller, Jeff was actually, you know, uh, made the announcement. I do believe for for Keller. He's certainly in the photo, and uh, and same with, uh, with 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 Jacob Chikrin. And to be a scout and watch that team have been dismantled from how it was put together. They had a lot of good young players that. You know, the Nick Merkley's of the world who never quite pan out yet, but are still really young, you know? No one pans out in Arizona. <laughs> well, that's, except for Austin Matthews. <laughs> yeah, I know, but players that played on their team is yeah, like, I know. Why, would, why would a team who's got salary cap, or not salary cap, they've got money problems and every other problem in the world, yeah. want to be trading such a young defense, and yeah, you got a boatload, but you, they keep on going through that spin cycle of, of uh, going out, trading their top players, getting young ones, let them massage into the league a few more years, trade them, go get some more younger players again. Um, like, you know, Dubas is going to do something at the end of the day. He's got options. He's got very cap-friendly contracts for a lot of other teams. Um, like, I, I think he set up that's, – that, that's my biggest issue right now is that Muzzin Hall here, and I don't understand it for the life of me. So um, let, me, let me ask you this now, because this, this would be a contentious point right now, which it wouldn't have been uh, four months ago. 
So given what we've seen and how versatile a player Alex Kerfoot has become, he's no, despite how, how important he is to the team, uh, his position on the team versus his cap hit is still questionable. So come dead t- deadline time, if it meant losing Kerfoot to gain a Jacob Chikrin, is that a deal you're willing to make? Um, I, th- I think so, because the one thing that the Kerfoot deal, Kerfoot playing so well does to the deal right now, that means if he were to be included in the deal, that means you probably don't have to include your uh, your top prospect. Not your top, no. You, yeah. you, you, it brings be, it down to a B level. Yeah, or at the very least a, a high or a lower end A level. You don't, you're not including your best guy. You're, you're including on your depth, no. or your, your third guy, right? Yeah. So, and that's, that's kind of where I was with it too. So it's, it'll save you that, but at the same time, um, you're losing a piece that's made you very, very effective all year long, right? I mean, he'd be a major cog out of the wheel of that team for all the reasons we already talked about today. The only thing is I'm thinking, like, I I don't think Arizona would be, why are they giving up a, a young defenseman four years, four and a half million? Yep. Go out and get a forward that's 27 that's older, yeah, three I and a half million. I, 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 I don't think I, if I'm, if I'm Arizona, I want a first round pick and your grade A prospect, and then throw in yeah, whatever yeah. other junk you need to move for make make the money work, right? Right, like I, I can see the Leafs getting rid of like, um, maybe a Richie's included in a deal like that, just get just get rid of salary. Yeah. Um, like think about it, we're dealing with Arizona here, not dealing with a team that always makes smart hockey moves. They make smart or what they deem to be smart business moves. So I, I don't see him being interested in the career foot enough because he's not worth it, of course, but I don't know if they're any further ahead. Oh, they're not. Such. They're not. And um, like I said, strictly hypothetical, but if, if, if that math had, had to be what worked out, uh, I'd, I'd still be okay with Kerfoot going. And that's a mouthful for me because lately I've been a huge, huge, huge fan. But again, I know. Yeah. There's the fan side of it, and then there's the business side of it. And you've got to have good people at the top in charge of both. Um, and like you just mentioned, Arizona is not noted for making some of the best uh, hockey moves, right? That, that yeah, whole yeah. Tra- Taylor Hall fiasco. What a, I mean, they, 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 they lost major assets there for one year. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, and guys who could have really did well. I mean, it's, it's anyway, it is what it is. Um, but they'll, at least we'll do something. Yeah. They'll, I don't know, and you'll st- you'll start to see more defensemen crop up now as to who's going to be yep. who's on the trade block. But that Leafs don't need to fill a void in net like they did last year when they had to go and get Riddick. No. They don't really have to fill a depth issue because they were very fortunate that three of the four signings in the offseason, Bunting, Kasha, and Camp has worked out. Richie, not so much. Never know he could, but I, I, I still don't see Richie at the one thing I, I actually got to go back to Richie for a second and Keith, and I know he's got to be nice and everything in the media and Keith had, and this is not as exact words said something on the lines is this is not a Nick Richie problem. This is a cap problem or something along those lines. He blamed on the, the reason why he went on waivers wasn't because of Nick Richie it was because of the cap, but you know what? Of all the forwards on our team, he still chose to put Nick Richie on waivers. So it is a Nick Richie <laughs> it, it, it is because if you thought you were going to lose him on waivers, you wouldn't have put him there. 
Right. Well, unless so, you wanted to lose him. Unless you yeah. felt like if you lost him, well, it wouldn't make or break the, the, the situation, which is the truth. Like if they right? wanted to solve the, ca- the salary cap problem, I know they wouldn't have done this. They would have put Kerfoot there. But no, Kerfoot is a better player. And they see Engvall as a better player. And they see Simmons and Spezza. Why is Spezza not on waivers this time? Like, yeah. it's so, but I know he, he has to say that. Um, but you know what? Like, the Leafs in years past have had to fill a, go- a goalie void. And knocking wood, nothing happens that we don't have to. But they had to do that. They had to fill a, a depth issue. So they don't have to fill that this year unless there's a player out there that can improve them. But their number one need right now is that middle-of-the-road defenseman. Mm. They're not going top end, but Chitrin would just uh, – he would fill so many – Oh, he checks all the boxes. Yeah. Yeah, my only question with him is is his defensive game. And I haven't – and I, I hear good things. I mean, I, I mean, you, all you can do is read about the guys, you know, elite prospects, whatever you want to read. But I just wish I had an opportunity to watch him play more. And because he's, he's one of those teams that we don't get to see, I just, I, that makes me nervous because, well, two reasons. You don't know what you're getting in a 23 year old defenseman, period, right? Because they, they, they don't, defense is one of those things that's, uh, that's learned more so than, you know, the skills of a forward, right? So, like, these guys tend to, tend to get better as they age. You know, they, everyone says an NHL defenseman peaks that are in 27 years old when it comes to, their abilities and what you can expect out of them and a maturity level and, you know, reliability, blah, blah, blah. You're not getting a Kel McCarr out of a box uh, every day. So uh, that's my only question with him is, is, because I I know he's, he's, he's a, he's a honking big guy. He's a, you know, he's smart. He's good with the puck. He moves the puck. Well, all these things that I've seen, I just haven't watched his defensive game enough to be able to say, yeah, that's the guy I'm comfortable uh, selling the farm for this year. Uh, So anyway, but like I said, good news is, I got all the, this is, this is not a, 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 a general management team that I'm the least bit worried about. You know, we, we've, we've seen some shitty GMs over the years, like yeah. some of the very worst, uh, who, who've ruined the franchise and for the fan base to be talking poorly about Kyle Dubas and what he's been able to do just sickens me, which is what I want to leave us off with our last thing. What are you feeling about the fan base? Uh, well, like last night, <laughs> The earth is, the sky is falling again, all this kind of stuff. Your defense is bad, and this is bad. And at least he didn't have Murner to blame last night. I'm sure Murner is pretty happy that he's not in the lineup on a loss. But um, we're fear weather fans. Like one of my buddies, and if you're listening to this, they said they don't, uh, he don't like four. Here we go again, Leafs losing on a 4 1, uh, down 4 1. I said, well, there's been 17 and 0 going in. After the second period, when they've been leading all year, so they haven't. And that four-one debacle, that was like what? That was ten years ago, twenty thirteen. Yeah, um, one player on the team who's still there now. <laughs> yeah, so like it really has nothing to do. With, it's just now, in fairness to those fans, like the first thing happens when the Leafs have a little bit of uh, adversity go their way, or a little bit of I don't know what the word I'm looking for is they, they look to the past, and the past hasn't looked all too great for us. So, like, for anyone to say today, and I've heard people say, oh, well, they don't trust J- Jack Campbell in the, in the playoffs. So you show me a stat that says you shouldn't trust Jack Campbell in the playoffs. I'd trust like, Jack Campbell to babysit my kids. 
Yes. So yes. I am I'm not the least bit worried about but I get where you're coming from and that's why I wanted to ask you because <clears throat> we got arguably one of the worst fan bases on the planet. Not because of our attitudes, but because major problem is such a big fan base. And right. just like if you were working in an office with ten people versus working in an office with a thousand, chances of running into an asshole at work uh when you got a thousand people is a lot higher than uh than when you're working with ten. So <laughs> It, it it is what it is. There's some there's some diehard fans out there who doesn't who don't all see the big picture and certainly doesn't don't see everything eye to eye. But everyone got to chill out, guys. Just uh, just ride the wave here. If anything, we need this team to lose a few games going into the playoffs. Get them ready, right? If it's a cakewalk to the first round, guess what it's going to be? Columbus is going to put you out in four games. You know, you remember yeah, our team yeah. that happened to a few years ago, right? So we need that adversity. And last night's game was not the, my one takeaway. Uh, that's a positive on a loss was it wasn't the epic collapse yeah. non-leaf fans and non-hockey fans look at it and say ha, 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 typical leafs hockey but it wasn't a typical yeah. leafs hockey at all was it because in a typical leafs hockey game where they blow a, th- a three goal lead their systems collapse their defense looks terrible they simply got outplayed by a team who was as good or better than they are you're and really good colorado's no slouch listen if, if, if this is ottawa then I'm I'm feeling much different about it today than I than yeah. I am right now. I'm completely okay with it. I think there were some learning points for the team to take away from. Sheldon Keith said it best. You know, it's nothing but positives, man. They had a good game. Um, they dominated that team at a gate, and and Colorado's a team that normally does that to other teams. So I'm quite okay with it. And we I'd beat love six two back in December. So yep. I'd love like, to see him in a, in a argument, Back to the fan base for a second. Second. And one of the things that I do on a regular basis now, whenever someone criticizes Matthews, no one criticizes Austin to my eyes. And people say, oh, well, he don't go to the front of the net. He don't go to the corners. He does every game. But you know what? Matthews doesn't have to be – the one thing that never happens to Matthews, he's never beer-hugged into the boards because you know why? He is so strong. He's so powerful on his skates that his stop starts are, like, insane. He don't get trapped in the boards. He he don't have to be that Hyman who has to be in on the boards and is battling for the puck in his gates. Matthews don't have to be that because he's just so good. And but to say that he never goes to the front of the net, never on the boards, Nylander, same thing. It's just total bull. Mm. And they say the same thing with Mariner. Mariner don't need to be in on the boards protecting the puck. Did Gretzky ever have to do that? No, because he, no. he was not comparing. Don't let me get a shit show on the go here. Not comparing Mariner to Gretzky. But same type of, same type of player, mm-hmm. um, where they're quick, small, but like that that whole thing is getting old. So w- when folks ask me that, and I asked them, "Did you watch the game last night?" No, I I, I couldn't watch that game last night. Well, I said, "You're gonna have to start watching if you're gonna start complaining about these guys because they're they're superstars. They're they're real good." And um, yeah, if we take the history of the Leafs out of it for a moment. We've got just as good a chance this year to win the cup with all the stats that you threw out earlier. Yep. It's all going in the right direction. And that's all that's, that's all, all you can, can ask for. That's all you, you can, can hope for. We may have another collapse. Who knows? Don't know. We uh, we had a fun segment we used to do in season one, which we're going to pick back up in season two. It's called Yes by No by. And uh, we're going to end off this episode with a quick one-off Yes by No by for Patty. Yes by No by, you got to answer without really even thinking about it. All right? All I want you to say is Yes by or No by. Austin Matthews is a better player than Nate McKinnon. Yes, by no by. Yes, by. I agree. All right. We're homers, boys. Just one thing you're going to get here is a total biased opinion sometimes. 
All right. Uh, if you've liked this episode, guys, because I have, uh, it's actually went longer than I thought. Because this is a great, some great talking points out of a game which uh, which generated a lot of uh, a lot of opportunity to dissect our team. It was a real measuring stick for the Leafs heading into the second half of the season. Um, all star voting is now open too, guys. Don't forget that. Get out and vote for your all stars. But uh, our all star, of course, is uh, PHG Sports out of uh, out of Whitby, Ontario. PHG is uh, is a well, they're the number one provider of uh, signed merchandise for Costco Canada, and they have been for 10 years. So uh, if you're into merchandise, uh, memorabilia, that kind of thing, like me and Patty, um, make sure you stop by uh, PHG at your local Costco when they're in town. Can't miss them. Big display, uh, lots of cool stuff. So again, it's uh, PHG Sports, www.phgsports.com. PHG Sports, that's where the pros sign. And Patty, where are they right now? They are currently up until the 16th of January at Northwest Costco, Downsview, Yorkdale, Ontario. There you have it, folks. Pop yep. by and see you guys. Spend no some idea time. where that is, but I'm sure you can Google it. <laughs> Google Maps. That's what we're going to do when we head up for our trip to Ontario someday. Yeah. All right, guys. If you're looking for more content from us, uh, we've got a really great article about to come out. Uh, just putting the finishing touches on that one, getting that one posted now soon from our blog writer, Tim Hayward. Uh, fantastic article. You'll really enjoy it. Uh, that'll be followed up too with uh, with another. Uh, we got a guest episode coming, which uh, I can't wait to tell you guys about. It'll be it'll follow right on the tracks of uh, of Tim's article about uh, about referees. So uh, that's coming your way. Uh, again, big shout out! To, you're going to see a lot more visual content from our uh, our graphics coordinator, which is Mr. Paul Loader. Fantastic gentleman and super skilled to boot. Um, even this little uh, little diagram thing that shows up in your dash now. If you're listening to this podcast, Paul designs all that for us, and uh, he's world-class. So, uh, again, big shout-out to Paul. Uh, give his stuff a like and a share if you see it uh, kicking around our website. Uh, but, yeah, if you're looking for more content, www.deeksnipeselly.ca. That's our worldwide web page. Uh, you can also get us at www.facebook.com slash deeksnipeselly. Uh, you'll see all of our content there as well at those two locations. Um, you can chat with us, catch up with us on Twitter, at sellydeek. Uh, as well as uh, we're running on Instagram as well. So you can search up Deke Snipes Ellie and, uh, and get us on Instagram. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, guys, uh, there's a good chance you're using any of the uh, 25 most popular uh, audio podcast sites that run RSS feeds. So uh, again, Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher, LinkedIn, Spotify, all of the above. Uh, we've been ranking really high on a couple of those, which is nice to see. So keep it up, and uh, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Make sure you get your notifications for when a new episode is coming up, because we have some awesome stuff in the pipe for the second half of the season. So, again, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for PHG Sports, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Peace out.